everyone, my name is Shelby Powers, and this is my podcast, The Dopey, where I discuss both current events and the thoughts I have about things I've experienced and learned in my life. This is Season 1, Episode 3, and I'll be discussing social media and the effects it has on mental health, self-esteem, and eating disorder risk factors. This is a subject that has been pretty common in many of my communications classes as we discuss the impacts that the media has on our lives and the way that we view ourselves. I also have had an interest in psychology since high school and learning about eating disorders and mental health has definitely been a part of that. So I'm going to start the episode by giving a few basic definitions so that you can be familiar with some of the terminology. Firstly, according to the National Eating Disorder Association, the NEDA, The most common eating disorder in the United States is binge eating disorder. Many would think that anorexia is actually the most common, but in the United States, it has recently been known that binge eating disorder is the most common. This disorder is characterized by eating excessively excessive amounts of food in short periods of time. It's also common for people with the disorder to feel a great loss of control and guilt after the binge eating episode. In bulimia nervosa, the individual will have an episode of binge eating that is followed by some form of purging, such as vomiting up their food or excessively using laxatives. There are actually many more forms of eating disorders that aren't generally as well known, but the last one I'll be covering is anorexia nervosa. Anorexia is characterized by a restriction of food intake that causes extremely low body weight. People with this disorder are terribly, terribly afraid of gaining weight, even though they may already be underweight. They see themselves as heavier than they actually are, and it can really affect their physical health and result in in fatalities and in them having trouble eating for the rest of their lives because it it so majorly affects their organs Um, and eating disorders affect nearly 10 to 15 percent of the population or nearly 8 million Americans and this can be attributed to body norms that are promoted on social media. So before I continue I want to mention our sponsor for this episode Audible. Audible is an audiobook streaming service with over 400,000 books available for you to listen to at any time. One of my favorite books is Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur. It is a collection of poetry that is narrated by Kaur herself and provides a soothing experience that really allows you to feel the emotions along with the author as she recites her poems. For 10% off your first audiobook, type in the code DOPEBEAT at checkout. That's D-O-P-E-B-E-A-T. Thanks again to Audible for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to The Dope Beat. This is Season 1, Episode 3, where I'm discussing the impact of social media on our mental and physical health. The internet was becoming popular just when I was growing up, so I've generally been exposed to social media for most of my life. I definitely had a MySpace by the time I was in 5th grade. (laughs) Um, It was something that all of my friends were doing. And... I remember spending so much time perfecting my profile and making sure everything up was to standard, so to speak. 
um, you had to spend time perfecting your top eight and making sure all of your friends were on there correctly and picking out the perfect profile picture. You know, you would have these big cameras that we don't use anymore. We just use our cell phones, but you would take pictures with your camera and then uploaded it, upload it to your desktop and then upload it to your MySpace, like things like that. It was really, all of my friends were doing that. But looking back, it's definitely easy to see how advertising and comments from others influenced how I wanted to present myself online. Um, This really has been occurring for many, many years. As early television ads depicted men as being the sole provider for a household, while women were depicted as only staying home, cooking, cleaning, and taking care of children. I remember specifically seeing a Folgers ad where it's just a woman preparing her husband a cup of Folgers coffee and she's he's leaving for work and he's leaving her home and it's just those were very very common ads. Today though and for quite a few years previously advertising has portrayed that men and women should look a certain way. They are generally thin and toned supermodels. They've they've always been on the cover of magazines and used for ad campaigns on both television and social media. Um, Not only that but online comments have a reputation for being hateful towards people who may not be considered conventionally attractive according to said ads and the social norms that are presented through social media. An example off the top of my head would be the recent Victoria's Secret fashion show. I saw many comments online from people who felt as though the show should have included more diverse models regarding body shape. I I personally feel as though it's a tricky subject because as a company, Victoria's Secret has the right to feature whoever they choose in their fashion shows. Whatever size they want them to be, they can can be that size. But they also should take into consideration that most of their audience does not look like those models, like whatsoever. The average size in the United States is a size 14 to 16, while the models in the show were all likely a size 0. So it makes sense that their customer base would want to see models who look like them. I recently read a study in the International Journal of Eating Disorders for my mass communication class. Um, It was determined by the authors that social networking sites most likely contribute to the development of eating disorder risk factors because of targeted ads and comments. So some of these risk factors would be lowered self-esteem, excessive dieting, um, where they, there is not, they don't have skepticism for the photos that are posted online, um, and 101 adolescent girls in Australia were given lessons in media literacy in order to reduce the influence that social media has on their self-esteem and body image, so to reduce the development of these eating disorder risk factors and it was actually determined that the group participating in the lessons had significant improvements in their self-esteem and in their skepticism of those online ads. 
there were no significant improvements in the control group, control group, so the lessons were overall beneficial towards the health of the young girls. I think, so for media literacy, it's, it's a way to teach them how to navigate the online sphere safely, um, and how, like I said, to have a healthy skepticism of what they see online, to know that all of these people are presented to them as being what they should look like. You know, you have to be thin and toned and most likely white to be beautiful, be seen as beautiful, but they have to have the ability to know that that's not true. And according to the National Eating Disorders Association, approximately 7 in 10 women and girls report a decline in body confidence and an increase in beauty and appearance anxiety, which they say is driven by the pressure for perfection from media and advertising unrealistic standard of beauty. So, if from a young age, lessons similar to the one carried out in the study I mentioned were taught to not only young girls, but to all students, it could greatly reduce the effects of social media on their body image. I feel as though I would have really benefited from something similar. My mom grew up in a time without having to know how to navigate the internet as a young girl. She always as I was growing up, she always aimed to build my confidence and she allowed me to express myself in any way I wanted. I was allowed to choose if I wanted to be on a sports team. I was allowed to choose if I wanted to go to Girl Scouts. I was allowed to dye my hair after the age of 13. I was allowed to dress the way I wanted, but she couldn't have necessarily taught me how to not let ads and people online have an effect on my self-esteem because she didn't have that skill set. Especially now, with kids having phones and tablets from such a young age, I believe that certain lessons should be implemented in schools or taught to their parents um, so that they can use the internet without some of the issues that may come along with it. And one quick um, thing I want to point out is actually like predators online because I've seen many cases where kids will be talking to someone online and they don't know who it is and that's something that that I did growing up I I would it was very common to go on chat rooms and to add random people on MySpace you didn't know who they were and you would talk to them and you know I was never brave enough to ever meet anyone I never had that intention I never had the intention to go out and meet someone but the possibility of me talking to someone that may have been years and years older than me and and may have had ill intentions that's pretty scary so I think that that's something that parents should take into consideration when buying their kids these tablets and these phones from such a young age additionally not only can social media affect body image but it can affect mental health as well According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, there are multiple aspects of social media that can have a negative impact on the mental health of teens who are active online. So as most people only post the best parts of their lives on social networking sites, 
it's definitely easy for teenagers to feel like they don't fit in when they see their peers out having fun so it's like FOMO fear of missing out but it can be taken to an extreme where they feel as though they completely have no friends and they completely are outsiders and that they are left out of everything and that can lead to depression definitely additionally as teenagers spend more and more time online they could potentially be preventing themselves from learning the essential social skills they need in life i never had this problem growing up because there was always a balance i we had one computer in my house i did not have a cell phone until i was probably about 14 years old which is it had been more of a necessity because i started joining clubs and would be picked up later from school and so I needed a way to contact my parents um but whenever kids are just consistently online consistently talking to people online they don't necessarily form the in-person social skills that they need to to become successful in life because you have to know how to talk to others you have to know how to interact with others and not just post things online I mean that works for some people who maybe own blogs or something but that's not you know reality so there definitely needs to be a balance between the time they spend online and the time they spend interacting with their peers there's also a remarkable possibility of cyberbullying because of how simple it is to make a post about others online um Teenagers may write harmful comments on their peers' posts or post people's embarrassing situations or secrets as a way to bully them online. And this was something that I also remember from high school. I was kind of a quiet kid. I, I knew everyone. I wasn't too popular. I was just kind of floating around friend groups. But I do remember a Twitter account being made south south from someone from south Carolina high school had made a twitter account where where they would post like horrible horrible things about other students and it was usually the most popular students so the football players the cheerleaders people like that and it was really odd to see and i I believe school administration eventually stepped in to get the twitter account deactivated but that was a strange experience because i had never I had, I definitely wasn't targeted on that website. I don't think I brought enough attention to myself for that to happen, but I definitely knew people who were mentioned on that Twitter account, and it was very odd to see. I, I had never experienced such a level of cyberbullying, and I can imagine that it's a lot more common nowadays. Um, So all of these negative aspects have been known to lead to depression and anxiety in young adults. So the media literacy lessons would provide a way for these teens to better their interactions online and make it a supportive place for themselves rather than a negative place. So they can choose to interact with others online interact with the media itself in positive ways rather than negative ways before we continue i gotta mention our other sponsor for this episode fenty beauty by rihanna 
Fenty Beauty aims to be as inclusive as possible to ensure that individuals of all skin shades have options for their makeup. Fenty has a range of 40 different foundation shades and has included models of varying skin colors such as Ducky Thought and Selena Forest. There's a shade for everyone, so use the code DOPEBEAT when checking out at FentyBeauty.com for 10% off your first purchase. That's D-O-P-E-B-E-A-T at FentyBeauty.com. I want to say a quick thank you to brands out there who are focusing on diversity and, and inclusiveness when releasing products, especially to Fenty Beauty. So thanks again for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to the Dopey Season 1, Episode 2. This episode, I've been discussing the various effects of social media and body image and mental health. I want to continue by reading an excerpt from one of my favorite TED Talks, Dying to be Thin by Sue Mae Thompson. She starts off by saying, when it comes to the portrayal of women, media does not do normal. Normal in the real world is size 14 or 16. Normal in the media is size zero. Models on catwalks have become more and more emaciated and ad campaigns for beauty and fashion brands routinely airbrush thin models to make them even thinner. The thinness ideals don't just affect models, its impact on the rest of society is massive and hugely detrimental to the physical and mental health of women and girls. Our billboards, programs, and social sites all create and reinforce the belief that thinness equates to beauty. What's frightening though is how women think they look often bears no relation to reality. Eating disorders can lead to malnutrition, osteoporosis, and organ failure with fatal consequences. Pro-anorexia or pro-ana websites advise girls to eat in front of the mirror naked. You will be completely repulsed and repelled from your food and that is a good thing according to these websites. One website promotes the Anna's Creed which contains these following chilling beliefs. I believe I am the most vile worthless and useless person ever to have existed on this planet and that I am totally unworthy of anyone's time and attention. I believe in salvation through starvation. I believe in hell because sometimes I think I live in it. According to a study released in the UK, 11 to 13 year old girls are more anxious, more unhappy, and lacking in confidence than just five years ago. Six out of ten girls choose not to do something because they don't want to draw attention to the way they look, including not participating in classroom discussion or not turning up to school at all. Sue Mae Thompson's TED Talk really defined the exact ways that media can affect young women and girls. Although there is a a negative correlation with online communities and general self-esteem, as I've shown throughout this podcast, there has definitely been a movement of some sort to make social media a more body-positive place. Especially on Instagram, I've noticed um, many women and men post photos of themselves with the body-positive hashtag as a way to make their social media experience a positive one, as well as showing others they can love themselves for who they are. So what I think is great about that is they have taken a place that has probably shot them down, probably made them to feel like they are not worthy of love or attention because of the way they look and using this body positive hashtag they can find support in others who 
believe that everyone is beautiful just the way they are. And I think that that's a really, really positive thing. And I would have loved to have that as a, a small child or have, even as just a teenager, to see others being so happy with themselves. I think it would have had a really great effect on not only my mental and physical health, but the mental and physical health of my friends and the people around me because all of these young girls are going through very similar things and it would help to have role models such as the ones that post in these um, body positive places. So another great example of this would be the ad campaign by the women's apparel brand Airy. So Airy is a sub-brand owned by the American Eagle Outfitters. They launched their Airy Real campaign in 2014, which they announced that they were going to stop using supermodels and would not continue to digitally retouch the images of their, mo- their models. The campaign features models of various sizes, shapes, and skin colors, as well as models with body marks and tattoos that they don't have to cover up. Aerie is the first brand ever to sponsor the National Eating Disorders Association with this campaign in order to raise awareness about eating disorders through educational programs, like I said, the ones that should be implemented in schools. Similar to the body positive hashtag that's popular on Instagram, Aerie has successfully used the hashtag AerieReal to promote their campaign and reach women all over the globe. In general, if more brands aim to be inclusive and reduce the norms promoted in their media, I believe that people all over the globe may benefit from feeling a higher sense of self-esteem. Also, I've covered people, especially young women and girls, put such importance in how others view them and how their body looks, and this can lead to undeniable distress, and I definitely have been in that situation before. I feel a lot more positive about myself currently and have learned to not care so much about what people think of me, but weight has always been a big issue with me. I was not, my my weight has fluctuated throughout my life, and I was not the thinnest person in late elementary school, and then in high school I, I gained weight again, and so I'm at my thinnest now, and it's It's definitely a little sad to think that that's where my confidence may stem from. Like the fact that I've lost weight and now I feel better about myself. And of course, it's important to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but I feel like you should also appreciate yourself for who you are, no matter the weight on the scale. And as a child, for example, I would have... I had a lot of Barbies, I had a lot of Bratz dolls, I would have loved to have a Barbie doll that had a different body shape because you you look at this Barbie and you compare it to yourself and you look at this Barbie with perfect shiny hair and small proportions and it's not you don't look like that I know that they have Barbies that look different now and I think that that's an amazing thing I think that that's so great and with all of these people who are standing up for body positivity online, I think that it, that we really are moving in a positive direction. And I follow many people who 
post positive videos on Instagram, and it's just like a a little quick way to kind of get some inspiration for my day or, or some motivation to complete my schoolwork or projects. And so social media can definitely be a positive thing for a lot of people, but you just have to be able to navigate it correctly and know who to follow, know who to unfollow, know what brands to look at, and that's something that needs to be taught in schools and taught to parents so that they can educate their children in the best ways to have an online presence without it affecting their physical or mental health. So once again, I'm Shelby Powers, and you're listening to Season 1, Episode 3 of my podcast, The Dopey, where I discuss both current events and the thoughts I have about things I've experienced and learned in my life. I hope through this episode, you have learned a few things about the role that social media takes in our society, and that it's not always a bad thing. If you ever feel as though you need help, there are numbers you can call for 24-7 confidential support. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-272-8255. Once again, that's 1-800-272-8255. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time.